Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerninghearts.com presents Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. Monsignor Essif is a priest of the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania. He has served as a retreat director and confessor to St. Teresa of Calcutta. He continues to offer direction and retreats for the Sisters of the Missionaries of Charity. Monsignor Essif encountered St. Padre Pio, who would become a spiritual father to him. He has lived in areas around the world, serving in the Pontifical Missions, a Catholic organization established by Pope St. John Paul II to bring the good news to the world, especially to the poor. He continues to serve as a retreat leader and director to bishops, priests, and sisters, seminarians, and other religious leaders. Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Well, what's on your heart today, Monsignor? The liberation, not only of Jesus as having conquered death through the resurrection, but Mary also having been freed from death and taken to eternal life through her assumption. So Mary, not only is she going to be redeemed through the blood and salvation of Jesus Christ in her soul, but also in her body, she is the sign of the first fruits of redemption. But all of this entered into the world when Adam, the first Adam, sinned. As St. Paul teaches us then in his first letter to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through man, the resurrection of the dead came also through man. For just as Adam all die, so too in Christ shall all be brought to life. But each one in its proper order, Christ the firstfruits, then his coming the rest who belong to Christ, then they too, death will come and be ended. When he hands over the kingdom to his God and Father, when he has destroyed every sovereignty and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The enemies of Christ have become sin and Satan and death. So in the teaching with regard to the assumption, Christ is the first fruit who was raised from the dead. So when Jesus was crucified and died, the scriptures teach us that he rose from the dead and he was glorious and will be glorious and ascended into heaven, body and soul. Christ's body that he received from Mary is risen. And he, 
conquered death by his resurrection. That was the conquest that we have of uh, Jesus. At his resurrection, Jesus conquered sin and the cross, Satan on the cross, and death by his resurrection. When his side was opened, as Paul is saying here, he then out of his side came blood and water. Water was that sign that we are going to be united with him. In scripture is shown that Adam, from whom his spouse came from his side, Eve, so Christ, the spouse coming from his side, the church. Out of his side comes the spouse of Christ. And that would be the church that we who are the baptized are joined with our head and are one with him in this new life. And that's the magnificent thing when I think of death in my own family. I think of my mother and my father. And I remember when my sister died. You know, I think of them as they have conquered sin through their death and the Satan, because they were united with Jesus Christ. So I remember uh, in a very special way the death of my sister. When my sister died, I remember my mother was so grief-stricken. My sister was 18, and my mother was just wanting to hold on to my sister. We really weren't a good example of death and dying at that time, and we had to really grow and learn she was dying and in the hospital, and I was with her. My sister said to my mother, you know, Mom, you're the one keeping me here. I really want to go to God. I really, and this was on the Feast of St. Peter. She had already told me days before that she would die on the Feast of St. Peter, that he had the keys of heaven. And she was so beautiful and, and so ready to die. But my mother told me later that she went home, and as the angelus rang, my mother was at home praying before the image, Mary. And she said to Mary at the angelus, I give my daughter into your arms. And that's when my sister died. Now, death has no more power over us because of Jesus and because of the resurrection. In the same way, death has no power over Mary. Mary was sinless. She was conceived without sin. She was a unique creation of God who created her without sin. Therefore, she like her son, was never under the power of Satan. And because of his anticipated suffering, death, and resurrection on the cross, God preserved her from sin. And that's our teaching on Mary. She was conceived without sin. So from the first moment of her conception, the devil had no power over Mary.
Sin had no power in Mary. She is the sinless one, the sinless virgin, and neither does death. So sin and Satan and death, which were conquered, the enemies of Jesus, when he came into the world to save us from sin, that was our enemy, and Satan and death. And so one of the most beautiful images we have of Mary in the church, we have the assumption, which is really beautiful, that time when she is assumed into heaven, body and soul, where she is now. But we also have the image of Mary of the Immaculate Conception. And this image is given to us in the book of Revelations, in the Mass, in which we honor her in her assumption. This is the reading. God's temple is in heaven, and it was opened, and the Ark of the Covenant could be seen in the temple. This is from the 12th chapter of the book of Revelations. A great sign appeared in the sky. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child, and wailed aloud in pain as she labored to give birth. Then another sign appeared in the sky. It was a huge red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven diadems. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky and hurled them down to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth, to devour her child when she gave birth. She gave birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule all the nations. With an iron rod, her child was caught up to God and his throne. The woman herself fled into the desert where she had a place prepared by God. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have salvation and power come and the kingdom of our God and the authority of the anointed one. And so here the image is of the king, this male child, Jesus, being brought forth by the woman. Now has come the kingdom. Now has come the conquest through this child. Enemy has been conquered, sin and Satan and death. And Jesus has been caught up into heaven where he reigns now at the right hand and also with him as the church teaches gloriously today as a sign of our future glory the assumption of mary and so 
What a great joy it is to celebrate this feast. When she came to Fatima, it's not only she gives us comfort for our loved ones who have died. You know, when I when I think of my mother turning my sister over to Mary's lap in heaven, that Mary actually has a lap and that she took her into her arms. Mary's body is there. And my sister, when she died, was received by Our Lady, body and soul. And that same woman, my mother, who gave her to God, when she died, that beautiful January day in 1987, she was received by Mary's arms. And when my father died on that beautiful September 11th day, 1996, and there, um, not only my loved ones are being received, but when she came to Fatima, she had a body. And in, in that magnificent revelation of Mary at, at Guadalupe, and, and there, if you look at it, clothed in the same words of Revelation, clothed in the sun with the moon under her feet and all the angels and the stars in her crown. Twelve stars being what seems to be the, the twelve apostles. This magnificent queen of heaven, as Jesus is the king and, and is assumed, this new Eve, as Jesus is the new Adam, bringing forth this bride of Christ, the church. Mary is the model of the church. Here we are, and in her Magnificat, in this Mass of the Assumption, she says to Elizabeth when she comes to visit with her, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And then she say, goes on to say, all generations will call me blessed. And we who are Catholics, who are listening, and those of you who are children of God, and especially Christians, that Mary is the mother of God. And we give her that magnificent title, Blessed Virgin Mary, Blessed Mother. So all generations will continue to call her blessed, for indeed she is. But I, I think I just want to, as Mary at Fatima especially, in World War I, she saw thousands and thousands dying in that horrible war. And when she came to Fatima in Portugal, she was clothed with the sun, the sun Bishop Sheen says she took like a little ringlet around her wrist and she spun it in the skies. And thousands saw that miracle of the spinning of the sun. This woman wrapped in the sun, this woman in the book of Revelations said that we have to return through prayer and penance to her son or there would be a world, a war, worse than the first. And she who has overcome death saw the death of the millions and millions that would come if we didn't pay attention to that warning that communism would grow strong, 
the estimated amount of people that died in World War II was untold millions in Russia, in Europe, in the East, in Japan, and the islands. What a horrible World War II was. And yet it seems as if we still haven't learned to come into that kingdom of God. And all of us who have been acquainted with that message of Fatima, to pray the rosary, this magnificent prayer, which Our Lady has given us as a weapon against war, the rosary as an instrument for peace. And this magnificent lady, the Virgin Mary, giving us these these instruments as the Queen of Peace is now the Blessed Virgin Mary assumed into heaven. And hopefully, as we celebrate it, that you will continue to pray the rosary, that we, like her, may place under our feet the enemies which Jesus has come to reign over. We want to be at peace with Christ in our hearts, in sinlessness like her, in innocence like her. What would you say to those who today are suffering prolonged illness and are facing that that moment of, of death? There is, you know, in our day, this the terrible temptation to not see in suffering union with Christ. You know, when a man sees his wife with terminal cancer, how he can really see in that the union with Jesus Christ. I, I think what we have taken out of our lives is the value of suffering. Uh, how important it is that as Mary stood beneath the cross and watched her son die, that we see that death is not the end. And suffering is that by which, through which we have to go to arrive at that eternal life for which we were all made. The temptation in today's world is to think that this short life of ours, 50, 60, 70, 80, whatever it be, that it's, it's only a very short period of time. And as the hymn Amazing Grace goes, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. God offers us this life and to see it for what it is, as this is not the end. I think what's happening to so many of us is we see the death, he, he died. And what does that mean for many people in today's secular world? It's all over. The life that you lead and are, are called to lead is the life here on earth. The home that you're meant to inhabit is the home you have here. It's all confused with regard to eternal life. Christ came to bring us eternal life, to bring us freedom from death. 
And so death is not the end, it's the beginning of eternal life. And when you're really a Christian, and when you hear the message of the gospel, it's your death, is your birthday to eternal life. Everything that happens here is just prelude to the home that he has prepared for you in all eternity. What about the family members, as you described your mother, her experience, and those who hold on to the person who is the father's calling them? They, for whatever reason, don't want to be left without that person. It's many times, I think, if you look at your own heart and uh, see, supposing you are a mother whose child has died before you. And I know that was such a great pain for my mother and maybe from my dad also, but I don't think he referred to it as much. When she suffered the death of her child, she was so, uh, she never again wanted to go through that pain. And she always felt that she wanted to die before any of our children. They, supposing you are a mother whose child has died before you. Just recently, I, I had uh, console to uh, this woman. Her daughter was 29 years old, was riding a bicycle in California, and uh, she uh, was hit by hit and run driver and killed. And we had her funeral. The mother, uh, you know, how to see her child's death, to know that at, at this particular time, when 29 years ago, this child was given to her, that God somehow knew this was going to happen. It was somehow in his plan. The presence of that child, of Eileen's daughter, is with God. The moment she closed her eyes, because she, I think she died almost immediately when she was hit by this hit and run driver, the moment she closed her eyes, she opened them and there was the Blessed Mother and there was Jesus. How often, and I know she had said, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. So that Mary was near her, with her, and took her to, to heaven to be with Jesus and the Father and the saints for all eternity. That from Eileen's perspective, her life was cut short. From the divine perspective, when Eileen dies, you know that again, the hope in our heart, I will see you again, we will meet again, and we will be there not only 10,000 years, but we will be there 100,000 years. We will be there for eternity. It's hard to get your mind around eternity when we just deal with time here. We know what a day is. We know what a year is. We know I know what 84 years are. But what's eternity? That's what we were meant for, eternal life. Because of Jesus in his conquer of death, his conquest of death, because of him, we are going to live forever. That the Christian's perspective of life in this world is that it's very short, very, very short. I think for the individual who seems to be without the other, that you, the, the widow or the widower 
when the mother or the father whose child is taken uh, or your beloved who was who is taken if you're listening to this that that person knows what you're going through from the other side and we from this side have a connection with them which is Christ we have a connection with them which is the Eucharist we have a connection with them which is Mary the the, the magnificent uh, celebration that we have is every day the people who are so-called on the other side are really with us when we say Mary is plunged into the middle of the Trinity body and soul then there is a human being with God who has a body God is totally spiritual he is invisible eternal immortal God now we who had been mortal temporal and just meant to have a short time in in life have been brought in union with Christ to be just as eternal and immortal as he is and and somehow or other our temporality our body because of Mary and Jesus are going to be with God forever any final thoughts I I would like to encourage you on the Feast of the Assumption. You know, clothed in the sun with the moon under her feet is the image we have in the book of Revelations. If you have a chance today to contemplate Mary in the sky as she was at Fatima, as she was in, in, in Guadalupe, and clothed in the sun with the moon under her feet, and the 12 stars on her head, and pray the rosary, that this aspect of the assumption, it's, it's not so much that it's up there in the sky, it really is in you. When I prayed my rosary today, and uh, I, I love to encourage you with that devotion, to, to pray with the awareness that my mother's there, my father's there, all those loved ones that I know that died, and then we will listen to Mary, Queen of Peace, Queen of Heaven, our Mother, assumed into Heaven, that that this tranquility of Heaven, which is lived in by the saints, can come to Earth. That this this land that we call Earth, which has been to- torn asunder, by sin and Satan and death, may come under the power of Christ, which is peace and joy and love through the power of Jesus Christ, who is our King. How beautiful is Mary. Thank you so much, Monsignor. God bless you. You've been listening to Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer rock-solid and authentic spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. 
and if you feel us worthy. Consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com. And join us next time for Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essef.